welcome to Life in the Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I get to talk to leaders that are making a difference in the workplace and in our communities. What did they do to get started and what are they doing to stay there? And here we are in September 2022, and I have another special guest. Her name is Amy Messersmith. She is the Chief People Officer at Builders First Source. She's also recently a finalist for the Dallas HR Executive of the Year. And Amy, I'm so excited to have you on the show. How are you doing? Bruce, good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great today and very excited to get to spend some time with you. Well, I'm so excited that you're here. I know that uh, the last time I saw you in person was at the Dallas HR, HR Stars Gala. And I was like, I have got to have you on the show, you were a finalist. Uh, do, do you remember the gala? And, and what'd you think about that? That was my first time. I was blown away. What an amazing event and what an impressive group of leaders. I got to meet some of those folks for the first time. Mm. And, and the Dallas HR world is so small. So that was a little bit of a surprise in and of itself to get to meet new people in our community. But wow, what a special evening. And I was very humbled, uh, very blown away to be included in such an esteemed group. It was a fun night. Yeah, I remember uh, when we started the HR Executive of the Year recognition, it was back in 2012, and it was during our luncheon. We gave away one award. It was absolutely special. Julie Hoagland was a recipient of that. Do you know Julie? Oh, very well. She's yeah. a dear Friend. Yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. And so, uh, and we just built on that. And here we are, you know, 10 years later, and it's turned out to this, uh, to be this evening gala, everybody gets dressed up. And like you just mentioned, the networking is, you know, it, it's incredible, isn't it? It really was a special night. Very fun. I was, again, just uh, very honored to be included. Hey, well, let's, uh, we're going to talk, man, we're going to talk employee experience. Of course, you are now with Builders First Source, and, and I would love to hear kind of what that's been like, and, and we're going to talk all leadership. But before we do that, I would love for you to share just a brief highlight of, of Builders First Source, and, and how do you serve your customers? Thank you for letting me take time to talk about Builders First Source, because this is an organization I am so proud of, and a collection of team members that I am just in, in great admiration of. So we are the nation's largest supplier of materials to the residential uh, home building space. Although, as you can imagine, with building uh, being as active as it, as it has been in our country for the last many years, we, we do tend to venture a little bit past residential from time to time. But multifamily, um, homes, single family, and, uh, you know, our mission is to bring the American dream of home ownership uh, and make it more accessible to everyone. And, and that's not just, you know, the average home builder customer out there. That's also our team members. We, we have 30,000 wonderful frontline uh, workers who are working in our uh, mill plants, in our truss and panel plants, in our lumber yards, who are supporting that home builder and uh, delivering that product for that customer. And when you go out on our yards and you see these big uh, roof trusses and walls and they're being bound and bundled, um, that's not a stack of wood and components. That's going to be 
a framed home tomorrow Mm. and that's where life is going to happen and memories are going to be made. And so we really hold that mission uh, and that vision very, uh, very close to our hearts. And so I'm very proud to be part of this organization. And it's been about four months now. Man, I got to tell you, when someone says uh, they bring up mission, when they're talking about the organization, I I like get chills uh, because I just think that's so special and as you talk about that, you talk about, hey, this is all about the American dream of home ownership. And it, it reminds me of the story. I think we've all probably heard the story about, you know, the three different workers and, and one was asked, what is he doing? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm laying bricks. Mm-hmm. And the final one said, hey, I'm building the world's largest, you know, home or cathedral. And, and that as you share that, I'm sitting there thinking like, that is what that's all about, being a really mission driven. And I just... I love that. So I know there's uh, special things ahead for this great company. Well, uh, before we uh, get into, you know, the employee experience, before we get into some of the things you're you're passionate about and, and you're you're doing at your organization, I would love to hear the Amy Messersmith story. Like, where did you grow up and how in the world did you get into leadership and, and HR? Oh, what a good question. And it's, you know, it would be, it would be so wonderful if I could tell you how intentional the journey was and just <laughs> thoughtfully crafted it was from the first, but it, it really was a series of blessings and good fortunes and, um, and other individuals who helped me along the way, which I think is, is kind of always how we get where we're going. But I was, I was born and raised in East Texas in a little town called Palestine. It's about 45 miles outside of Tyler. So if you honestly, if you want something to eat or you need to buy something, you got to get in the car. (laughs) Drive to Tyler. Uh, So yeah, I was raised out there. I was a, you know, PK um, and grew up in a small town and just, you know, I had a great, had an absolutely great and wonderful childhood. I was one of the few in my family that went to a, a non-seminary type of uh, education after mm-hmm. high school. So, so I, I went to Texas A&M mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and went there, like, you know, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of kids in my demographic would have. I went there with some loans and some grants and a few scholarships <laughs> and a couple of jobs. And um, so when I got out, um, I had, you know, had a great business degree, but I also had some debt and a car that wasn't running the way it needed to. So I had been fortunate enough to be invited into an academic and leadership program there my junior and senior year called the College of Business Administration Fellowship Program. We had been the 13th class kind of rotation in that program. And that really opened up some doors for me. It was an avenue to be able to access uh, employers and and other opportunities that were um, just really bountiful. So when I graduated, I had a few different opportunities that I could choose from. And so, you know, as it goes, uh, they were all very different. None of them were HR. I I wasn't really thinking that specifically. Um, The one I chose, Bruce, is the one that paid the most because (laughs) I 
I thought I can start to chip away at my school mm. debt and I can get my car fixed and I can afford to get my apartment um, and not have a roommate. <laughs> and so, you know, this is this is how I made the decision. So I ended up going to work for um, Anderson Consulting, mm. which eventually became Accenture. Mm -hmm. uh, so people will be familiar with the Accenture brand. And so I did that for a couple of years based out of Houston. And, and, you know, they give you a bundle of assessments to figure out what kind of person you are. Well, I wasn't a technology person. I could have told them that. Um, process is okay, but hey, it's not anything to write home about. Uh, so they said, you know what you are? You're a people person. We're going to put <laughs> you in our, in our human capital practice. Mm -hmm. So really unbeknownst to me, I began working you know, as, as low man on the totem pole in, in project settings, learning how to do what is effectively organizational development, learning and development, training, competency modeling, organizational hierarchy work. And so I was learning a specialist skill set without really understanding that that was, that was what I was being exposed to. So after a couple of years of um, doing that with Accenture, uh, you guys, some may remember Pricewaterhouse and Coopers and Librand merged, and that changed the big consulting firm landscape in a pretty significant way. So I went to work on that merger internally, left Accenture, went over to PwC and did that work for a couple of years and knew I didn't want to be a partner, knew the consulting track was not for me long-term mm -hmm. and was uh, had made the decision to get married and do some other things during that time. So I wanted to come off the road. So we ended up settling in Dallas and I was I was fortunate enough to be invited to join uh, the PepsiCo organization mm -hmm. inside their Frito-Lay business, which is, you know, based here in Plano, Texas. And so um, what a wonderful organization. And they had a very vibrant um, high performing organizational development and learning function within the Frito HR team. And so for the first, you know, four years or so with the Frito business, I did a lot of internal kind of HR specialist work mm -hmm. in, in those spaces. And um, particularly, it was about four and a half years in though, that we had, we were going through a restructure and uh, a very, very dear leader uh, who, who I hold very, very close to my heart came to me and said, hey, would you consider uh, maybe stepping into an HR business partner role and, uh, and taking some of that specialist skill set and uh, see, if you like, see if you like the view from an HR business partner chair? And I thought, you know what? I would love to do that. Yes, I would love a different view, but obviously wanted to stay with that organization. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Bruce, I never looked back. That mm -hmm. was that was sort of where it all came together for me. I love partnering with a business leader and really thinking about what's happening in that piece of the business and how do we unlock the potential of people, right? And the motivations of people to make a difference in moving that business forward or solving that problem. And so um, that's really what HR business partnering is. It's a whole lot of common sense and a whole lot of collaboration, but I really found it to be 
just a, a space uh, that I love very, very much. So, so I've, I've never looked back. I never really went back into the specialist uh, spaces, but have always, you know, considered those to be my hip pocket skills. Well, what a what a blessing! I mean, for for uh, certainly for uh, the uh, the folks uh, to say, hey, we we see you as being someone that would really align in the human capital space early on, right, Anderson? Um, and then here you are uh, having someone else say, hey, have you thought about an HRBP role? And I always talk about, you know, I wrote the book called Find Your Lane and. And I always talk about when you find your lane, work is just different. It's your calling. It's your purpose. And here you are. Uh, you, you just mentioned you have not looked back because you found the lane that really fulfills you and, and, and drives your everyday. But let me let me ask you this. You know, you mentioned that um, I always like to talk about mentors. I think it's so important for us to just kind of share maybe uh, people that have made impact on our lives, maybe something they did. Share a couple of mentors that have helped you on your journey. Uh, and, and then also, do you help mentor others? Oh, yes. Well, listen, I, you know, when I think back on my career, I would absolutely not be where I am if it weren't for some very, wonderful men and women who sort of reached back and took my hand and said, come on, Amy, you can do this. And, you know, actually pulled me forward, even when I wasn't reaching forward. And, you know, I, I think about then the privilege it is to get to do that for others mm -hmm. and being in a position now where I can do that for others. That is, it is nothing more than just my way of saying thank you. So there were some really meaningful people, you know, um, Lisa Wong Doyle uh, in the early days of Frito-Lay was, was very um, instrumental. I worked for a woman named Karen Kendall for many years at Frito-Lay. Karen was masterful at challenging you to think mm. differently about things, kind of breaking you out of your rut. But but never in a way that made you feel exposed or wrong. It was, you know, she really created space for you to learn, right? Mm. And to try some things on for size. Kim Warmbier, um, you know, a lot of people know Kim, but Kim was one of those, she just, she just walked the talk and was such mm. an excellent example. And Tracy, Tracy Faber, who's now over at McKesson and Tracy Skeens at Young Brands, you know, um, Patrick McLaughlin, who's leading Frito-Lay HR now, you know, all of these folks were just present and meaningful and, and um, you know, always speaking into my journey or, you know, encouraging me along the way. But they, you know, I, I remember them as active right? Mm. They were active mm. in, in my journey. And so when I think about um, where I am now, and honestly, for a long time, I didn't think much about 
kind of the present. I, I think I have always been really driven, mm-hmm. but Bruce, more in a striving kind of a way than a pursuing way. I think for mm-hmm. much of my younger career, it always felt like I had something else to prove or some other gap to close or some gap to, you know, jump. Um, but but now I feel, you know, you do kind of get to that place where you think, man, um, gosh, I am in this job and I've done this, I've done this job now a couple, couple different times over and kind of got the hang of it. And I think, you know, I can take a deep breath and I can finally just be present Mm. where I am. And, and that was a turning point for me some few years back because it allowed me then to sort of look around and go, okay, wow. Like I, I will always have more I want to do, but I've done more than I ever set out or expected to do. That's been, that's how fortunate I have been. Mm. So why not spend more of my time and intentionality trying Mm. to help others do the same? That's, I've got it. I can do that now. And that's really what motivates me is is spending time investing in others, mentoring others and watching their potential Mm. for somebody did that for me. They did it for me before I saw it in myself. And so it's really my great privilege to be able to, to do that um, for others who, who I'm mentoring. And, you know, the other thing I've always, I've always studied people. So I'll find I'll find individuals and I'll see something in the way they lead or the way they carry themselves that I admire. And and while I don't want to emulate it in a way that's inauthentic to me, if I admire something in a person, I'll kind of reflect on what would, how would I adopt a similar approach or mindset, but in my authentic way. And that's, that's been a big part of my uh, continuous improvement journey too is just watching how certain people are doing certain things really well and thinking about how could I improve in that way and what can I learn by watching this person who is so masterful, for example, in showing empathy or relating to others, you know, on all points of the spectrum or communicating a vision clearly. So I've had a lot of people who've mentored me and they don't even know it because <laughs> there have been, you know, aspects of, of how they showed up and led that was just so uh, impressive to me. And I was, you know, I, I studied it there. Oh my goodness, Amy, <laughs> there is so much there. That is so good. And by the way, if you're listening right now, I hope you have your pen out, you have your notebook out, you're taking notes. Uh, I've, I've taken already a sheet of notes. And when I wrote down intentional, it just, it really it, uh, energized me. And I, I think that, you know, as you share, one of the things that I talk about is that we all see people that have success and, and, and we can't really go copy them, but we can take little parts of inspiration and Mm -hmm. apply that to our lives to help make us better. And so as you shared that, I was like, that's what I want to do with this show. You know, we've had over 120 guests on the show and each guest brings something unique and with incredible value to the show. 
And I, me personally, I've pulled so much out and, and I've become a better leader just from being around. But you, you mentioned a couple of things I, I want to share. Number one, by the way, I love how you shared how each mentor uh, really some insight to what, what was special. And when you said the word challenge, I think people, uh, when we are challenged and we're open to being challenged, we just become better. And I, I just love the, the word presence, walk the talk. I mean, so good. But the thing you mentioned, I just, I want to, I want to dive in this just for a second here, because I think this is so important. And you said early on, you were striving and then today you are in pursuit. At least for me, in, yep. in in my early career, look, I come from pretty humble beginnings. I um, I don't have an advanced degree, right? So I have always felt well. I was never at risk of being the smartest person in the room. You know, that's <laughs> I, I was never at risk of of that happening to me, right? And so yeah. there was always you know, not a, not a chip, it wasn't a chip, but sort of just a recognition that um, I've gotten into some rooms that I'm not sure I belonged in, mm, right. <laughs> right? And so that sense of um, always kind of needing to stand a little taller, improve a little something. And, and so it was more, I think it was more out of not a mindset of lack, but probably lesser self-confidence, mm. right? Than, than really kind of understanding, hey, like, don't play not to lose, mm. play to win, play to win. And I think that's what happened for me when I left PepsiCo and, uh, and, you know, what a great company. Gosh, I just can't say enough good things about it. And, and it, you know, it, it took a big, a big uh, shiny role to lure me away, but the opportunity to move into and, and be bench for the chief people officer at Pizza Hut for the U.S. was, was shiny. And mm -hmm. that was, that was that kind of opportunity. But Bruce, I got to go through a program um, as part of the leadership development and executive development there at Yum called Heart Styles. And Heart Styles really got at uh, a, a couple of important things, but when we're not our most effective, we're usually being drugged down by some feelings that are either rooted in a little bit of fear mm -hmm. or we've let our negative ego, our prodful, our non-productive prodful self kind of, you know, creep up and get, get in our own head. And so when you're feeling like, you know, your ego has been pierced or you're feeling a little fearful or marginalized, well, you probably are not showing up as your best. And so that program was all about helping you as a leader identify when that was happening mm. for you and then mm. go ahead and get yourself back up, right? Mm. Get yourself back up above the line. And I think it was, in you know going through that program that I realized wow Amy like you're not you don't always play to win mm. now you've been fortunate and you have won a lot but a lot of times you just play to hold your ground and not lose but what if you just what if you just threw your arms up and said I'm going to enjoy this view <laughs> and I'm going to play to win and I'm going to play for the joy of achievement and not that nagging feeling that perhaps 
if I put my neck out there, I might lose or I might stumble. And that, you know, it, it's probably too just a, attributed to at some point we all have to grow up, right? And I think <laughs> <laughs> I think in I think in my ripe old thirties I decided, well, maybe I'll just get comfortable in my skin here yeah. and just enjoy enjoy the blessings and and lean in and, and give it my best. And, and know that if it works great and if it doesn't I'll be okay and that, that was very freeing you know that was really freeing but that was that was kind of one of those pivotal moments where you know I it just felt more it felt more liberating and so I, I guess that's really the root of of what I'm describing I love that. You know, I think there's probably a lot of people that can relate to that. I, I remember I've been at Armstrong Relocation now for 18 years in the job before Armstrong. I had a boss that told me, hey, Bruce, you're playing not to lose. And I had no idea what he's talking about uh, until later. And I was like, you know what? He was right. At first, it kind of made me, you know, a little frustrated. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm working 18 hours a day here, but he was right on track. And so I I'm, I'm better because of that. Hey, well, let's talk leadership. Here we are 2022. Oh my goodness. One of the things that I do like to ask my guests, because there's so many different definitions. So if someone said, Hey, Amy, what, what was leadership to you? How, how would you respond to that? Well, for me, it's really, it's, it's three things. Um, and there's a lot underneath it, but I think today, first of all, this is a day and time when what's being asked of us as leaders is, is unprecedented. Mm. There has literally been no manual, right, for a good solid three years at this yeah. point, right? right. <laughs> Completely yes. unprecedented. Yeah. And, yeah. and so as a leader, I think we have to show up with three things. We have to show up knowing our stuff. We need to be smart in our area of competency. Mm -hmm. That's first because people want to follow competent people, right? Right. right? The second thing is, is we need to have heart. Mm. We need to be willing to lead with heart. And this is our ability to empathize, to meet people where they are, to help connect with them on not just an intelligence level, but a heart level, a character level. And then the third, I think, is we have to be courageous and probably more courageous than any, you know, any uh, other generation of leaders have, have been called upon to be for quite some time. And for me, this is all about our mindset. Do we mm -hmm. have a growth mindset? Mm -hmm. Are we willing to be humble and to be open-minded and to continuously improve ourselves and to create space for others around us to do that? So there's a lot of intentionality in, you know, making sure that every day we're, we're trying to bring those three components forward. But I know as a follower, Right. I, I want to be led in in those ways and by leaders who bring all three. I really don't want to follow a leader that doesn't bring all three of those to the table. And so as a leader, um, knowing that others are following me, I, I feel like that's, you know, that's my obligation to them. Yeah, that uh, that is so good. First of all, know your stuff. I, I love that. I was talking with um, Tiffany Haynes on, on, on the show recently, and she talked about uh, competency and character. And we were talking about 
building, we, we were actually talking about um, building influence in the workplace. And she was talking about, you know, when you, when you, when you talk about trust, it, there's difference between character and competency. And, and as you said, that was like, yeah, people, you got, we got to know our stuff. I mean, that's the first step to building trust. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, uh, and then of course you said heart and, and being cor- cor- uh, courageous. I just love that. But one of the things I wanted to ask you, I just got back from uh, Sherm uh, conference, national conference. It was in New Orleans this year. It was so great seeing, uh, it was great for me because I, I got a sense of hope because there were 15,000 people there. Like, Hey, we're, we're back. People are wanting to go back and learn and grow and and network and all of that stuff. But I was in a session and one of the sessions, uh, was, uh, talked about the top. It was like the top, I think it's the top 10, but I I really kind of plugged in the top three, but the top 10 things CEOs are thinking about. And and number one was uh, developing talent in the workplace. And and you've talked about the the importance of developing talent. The second thing was the importance of, uh, or or CEOs are thinking about the economy. And the third thing was uh, uh, hiring and, and retaining talent. Right, those top three. I, I was just curious, like for for in your organization, have you heard those? And then I would love for you to talk a little bit about the importance of developing talent. I mean, here you are. You're you just mentioned you're four months in. I always think about a president coming into an organization. He's got this hundred day plan. Uh, I guess my question for you is those three things that I just mentioned: uh, developing talent, of course, the economy, and then hiring, retaining talent. Uh, do those do those sound like those line up in your organization as well, or would you add something? Well, no, those are absolutely at the top of of my mind. I know at the top of our CEO's mind, and it's you know the developing talent is a business sustainability mm. uh, matter. It's it's not it's not that it's a nice thing to do. It is, mm-hmm. but if you don't develop the next generation of talent to step in and lead, well, then your business is going to falter, or at least you're going to struggle some. And so, as you know, as I've come into uh, this this new role, I certainly have had a hundred you know hundred day plan. And in fact, last week just got to present to our board of directors uh, that plan and what the strategy is going to look like going forward. So that was really fun and, and uh, exciting and affirming. But, um, but as I look at our demographics, Bruce, we have a significant portion of our leaders who are of a certain age or higher. Mm-hmm. And I say, hey, I'm in that age too. So, you know, yay for all of us, but wow, <laughs> who's behind us, right? right? Yeah. And what's the game plan like now, right? To get these folks ready. Because what you don't want to do is to, to find out if they can do it after you've put them in the job. You want to know that when you're mm. putting them in the role you're, and you're intentionally getting them ready to go into the role that they're going to be set up for success and be able to deliver. And, and look, as a shareholder, I'm, I'm very invested in that, right? That's, that's a fiduciary responsibility to, uh, you know, everyone who's invested in our business. So developing talent is a big one. Now, here's what's going to be interesting over the coming months, whatever goes on with the economy, right, meets still super hard to find and retain people. This is a really strange dynamic that, you know, we've not we've not seen these two forces quite so juxtaposed. 
um, in a long time that, that I can recall. So it'll be interesting to see how these three priorities kind of, you know, reorder themselves. But mm-hmm. I would say for sure, those are those are three of the big ones. Yeah, yeah, no question, no question. Well, one of the things that I, uh, in, in, in some of the, the research I've done uh, on you, uh, that's one of the things I really enjoy about hosting a podcast is it really uh, makes you be purposeful in going out and reading someone's profile. Anyway, you, you, one of the things I read about you is you want to be the employer of choice. Yes. And I just thought, employer of choice culture. And I just thought, man, that's fantastic. I want to talk. Uh, and I would love to spend the last part of, of this section on talking about the employee experience, because it seems like everywhere I go, everybody wants to talk about the attendee experience, the customer experience, the employee experience, like that's all wrapped up into one. But I think everything is driven by that employee experience. The more I talk to people about it, the more it kind of intertwines into just from start to finish uh, culture. I mean, everything about it. We just talked a little bit about developing talent. Can you share uh, your thoughts around the employee experience? And, and is that talked about in the boardroom? And, and what are your thoughts around the employee experience? Well, you know, we had this great saying in the restaurant business, um, the, the customer's experience will never exceed the team member's experience. Mm. And I read a book while I was um in the role at Pizza Hut called Widgets. And what led me to that book is we were, we were working with uh, some in, a, an outside firm on our employee value proposition. And, you know, what was authentically true for us and how would we then demonstrate that authentically true uh, story through proof points and the right programs and investments. So I, I read this book called called Widgets and there's um it's it's towards the front. It's it's an easy read and, and one I recommend, but it basically says, listen, here's the thing, guys. As human beings, we're real simple. We're just reciprocating. You're kind to me, chances are I'm gonna be kind to you. You smile at me, I'm probably gonna smile back. You give me the stink eye, I might look at you a little odd, right? So like we are reciprocating beings. So when you think about that from a team member perspective and a business perspective, how could a team member ever give to a customer what has not been given to them to pass on? Mm. So as how we treat that team member is or is not going to fill their cup and that cup is or is not going to be then there for them to draw upon to deliver a good customer experience. Mm. So if you've ever gone into a place and thought, I really think they wish I would go away, right? (laughs) I really think that they don't like having any customers in here. You're probably right. And it's probably Mm. because that team member has a very similar experience with Mm. that employer. So the environment that we create for our team members is what the customer is going to feel. And and so we have ultimate control over that. We have a lot of control over how we decide to treat our people, knowing that that's how they're going to treat the customer. 
I, man, that is so good. I will put that uh, book in the show notes widgets uh, so people can, can check that out. Well, well, let me, let me ask you this kind of the follow-up question. I guess I want to ask you to that is when you came into the organization, the company has a culture. It's not like we don't have a culture. Now you come in and you're going to design one. It has right. one. So how did you approach that? Do you approach that as, Hey, what's the culture like? And then you shape that or What's your kind of views around, and, and that's really for people that are listening, like they're like, hey, I just started a new company. Yeah, how, how did you approach how you would, um, uh, I'll use the word shape or approach uh, your, your culture and your organization? Well, I would look at it uh, probably from two different angles, depending on whether I'm coming in as the chief people officer or CHRO, or if I'm, or if I'm just joining an organization and trying okay. to get a lead on, okay, who who have I who have I joined up with here? Listen, as just as just observers in any business, you can look around and see the artifacts of the culture. Are do the posters on the wall even remotely resemble the way people actually behave to one another? Mm, right. Mm. Uh, do, you know, do the behaviors and the outcomes that are being produced line up at all with the mission statement that's being espoused? So it's it's not hard, right, mm. to kind of very quickly figure out. Are we congruent, right? Mm. Or is what we say and do congruent? And hopefully the answer is yes, it is. And I'm not surprised. And I and I knew what I was signing up for. As a as a chief people officer, though, um, it's not uncommon to come in and and clearly be able to observe, right? Mm. The, the sort of the cultural norms, how people think, feel, and act around here, right? That's that's not hard to observe. What is sometimes harder, though, is to wrap it in a narrative that's useful and compelling in order to galvanize and be more intentional about using the good of that culture mm. to, to move the business forward. So what I've what we've done in the last you know 120 days is a is a series of focus groups mm. uh, where we got out and talked to our frontline employees. And I don't want to know everything. I just want to know, hey, when you think about working here, what makes this place really special for you? Mm. Why here and not somewhere else? You know, um, lots of choices, lots mm. of choices out there, uh, more jobs than than anybody can possibly fill these days with talent. So why here? And it's amazing. You don't ever have to go in a boardroom and shut the door and talk to yourself on this. In fact, I would strongly recommend not doing that. Hmm. Talk to your people. They know hmm. the answers. They will tell you the answers. You know, as you, you talk about that, I, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, if I'm a, I don't know, if I'm a, a manager, a supervisor, a director, uh, there's some things that I can do in the organization. I don't have to be the chief people officer to do these things, do I? I can walk around and I can ask these questions, right? That's right. That's right. And so some of the emerging themes, we've just finished our, what I call my research stage, right, of this work, which is gathering those inputs. We've done you know, more than 100 focus groups over the last 120 days. We did it at all levels of the organization, but we're predominantly a frontline workforce. So that's where I needed to spend the most mm -hmm. of my time because that is where the truth is or is not, <laughs> right? Going to, to, to be present in that team member experience. So 
um, we've, we've heard some things that are, man, it's got a lot of legs. I mean, the, mm. the, next, the next step is to wrap some copy around it and to put some creative to it, start to think about how it translates to employment marketing and internal employee program design and things like that. But, you know, when you start hearing, this is a place where you can really, um, grow your career and have opportunities with or without a college degree, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you start to, to realize, okay, well, there is some secret sauce in this and mm. we, can, we can cook with this. I love that focus groups. So there's a tip for all the listeners, people that are watching today, uh, go out and talk to your people, get some focus groups. I used that word earlier, a challenge, uh, challenge them, but don't, but be open to being challenged too. Maybe there's some things that we need to, to, to change up just a little bit. And so this has been so good. Oh my goodness. I told you the time was going to just fly by. Uh, I, I want to, I want to ask you for those listening. And, and, you know, you didn't, I mean, you've shared this story. You didn't start at the chief people officer uh, in, in these C-level roles. You, you've grown and you, and you've built an incredible career. For those listening that want, may, maybe they want to be a top level leader. Uh, any tips you would share that maybe has helped you along the way? Well, I'd say a couple of things. One, say yes, raise your hand. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes that does mean that you're taking on some, some added work. Sometimes it means mm. you're going to take a lateral move instead of a promotion because you know that that critical experience is an important one to get. But I would say, say yes, like be up for it mm. and, and lean in and be, don't be afraid to try um, some different things. You know, one thing I never did was actually veer out of HR and do an operational role or a PL role. I never did that. And I may do that at some point, you know, that's, that could be a really interesting opportunity, but I would say, say yes. Mm. The other piece of advice I would give, um, and this I would give to my younger self is just be kind to you, mm. be kind to you. And in the same way that I know we work hard to show grace to others, show grace to yourself mm. and focus on your strengths. Now, I think it's important to always be aware and open to the fact that we all have opportunities for improvement and we should, we should try to minimize the negative impacts that that has on others. But I think focusing on our strengths keeps mm. our head in the right place and keeps us positive and keeps us moving forward. So th those are some things that look advice that I got along the way that I'm mm -hmm. happy to, uh, to share in return because it's been helpful to me. That is so good. I guarantee there are people out there listening right now that are writing this down. And I love that. Be kind to you, especially over the last three years. You just talked about we're in unprecedented times. Do your best, forget the rest, you know, work hard, be kind to people, be kind to yourself, most importantly. Like just give yourself that grace. I love that. This has been so much fun. Hey, I want to shift over to the last part of the show, as we kind of wrap up here, I call it, it's time to accelerate. And one of the things I always like to ask my, uh, my guests, high performers, do you, do you uh, like to read a book or listen to a podcast or maybe listen to an audible book? Oh, I'm audible. I've got, 
I've got to commute downtown uh, four or five days a week. And I am, I'm usually listening to three or four different books at any time on, on Audible. And, and, you know, I'd love to tell you I'm reading some sort of really academic or business focused. I'm reading whatever I want to. <laughs> I love story. I just love story. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I, um, Suzanne Myers has been a, uh, guest on my show. Uh, she's CHRO and, and she recommended a couple of fiction books. And I'm typically a business, I'm reading these business books and I got into these books uh, uh, and I just, man, it was, it was awesome. I just loved it. It was like, it took me away. It's just a, for a little bit. <laughs> it just took me away. I love that. Hey, um, this is fantastic. Let me, let me ask you this. You work a lot. I know high performers work a lot, but outside of work, I'm just curious, like what energizes you? Well, I'm an introvert by nature, so I have to kind of get away and have a little bit of quiet time. That's where I think, too, sometimes the the time with Audible in the car mm -hmm. uh, is good. But spending time with my family mm. and my, you know, that that close circle of friends, that that's always very, very mm. energizing. And and, you know, I would say too, seeing seeing my team continue to elevate and achieve that is very energizing to me seeing mm. others seeing others uh you know make it happen is fun well i've had one of your team members on the show yvonne freeman uh absolutely fantastic leader i, I see the team from afar how you're building a really, really something special there. And so I, I appreciate that. I know your team listening is going to appreciate you, you sharing that. Hey, well, let me ask you the final question, Amy. And, and it's, it's probably one of my favorite questions. Amy, 10 years older, is around the corner knocking at your door. And you're going to get up and go answer that door. What, what's she going to tell you? Oh, I, I hope what she's going to tell me is in, enjoy this ride enjoy mm. the view just be be present and um i just think be present just mm. be intentional and be present because the there's there's so much to see and enjoy and take in and and i think when we can be present and intentional we're able to see those opportunities mm. in a way that we don't when we're in our head and you know always thinking about the next move i would say that's a very wise 10 year older amy messersmith that is absolutely fantastic i appreciate you sharing that and and that's really uh as you talk about that yeah, for me, when I feel present, I feel joy. Like you said, you just, you just feel that joy and that fulfillment in life, right? Cause you're there. And so listen, I appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your wisdom, your perspective. It's been so good. Hey, if somebody heard you on the podcast and said, you know, I I'd like to learn more about Amy or maybe follow her, or is there a way that they could connect with you? Well, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. I oh. need to do a better job with, uh, with social media in general, but I'm definitely on LinkedIn and would love to connect and hear from folks and uh, build a relationship. 
Yeah. So if you uh, want to connect with Amy, just go out to LinkedIn and, and be sure and put a note in. It really helps on the connection. I know a lot of times people uh, will go out there and just connect and like, we don't know who you are or why you want to connect. But when you put that note that, hey, I heard Amy on the show and 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 she talked about this, uh, you know, that that always helps that connection. So again, I, man, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. And, uh, and again, congratulations on uh, being a finalist at the uh, the HR Stars. You, you are definitely driving in the leadership lane. And uh, I appreciate you. And I, I can't wait to share this episode. Thank you, Bruce. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye.